welcome to the Wesleyan Podcast, bringing you news and financial tips for doctors, dentists, teachers and lawyers. Hello, I'm Neil Whelan and welcome again to another episode of the Wesleyan Podcast. Here with me today is Jessica Wilkes-Reading, our Corporate Responsibility Officer. Hello again, Jessica. Hi, Neil. So, it feels like we've now escaped from what feels like the longest winter ever. <laughs> We're talking Game of Thrones length winter. Sun's come out today, blue skies... But you're going to plunge us back into the snow and ice again, aren't you? So, who have you been talking to? So, I've been talking to Baz, uh, Arctic explorer extraordinaire, uh, lover of the cold, all things cold and Arctic, um, has got an amazing career of taking people to some of the coldest and extreme places of the world and training them in how to survive, but also how to uh, work in combat operations in those um, those areas. He talked about um, how cold it can get in places like Afghanistan and all of that kind of stuff, which... Being a being a layperson, I was a bit amazed by all of that and realising that they go to deepest, darkest places like Norway and, and Sweden so they can learn how to cope in these extreme temperatures. Yeah, amazing guy. OK, well, he's about to set off for the South Pole. Um, we brought him into the warmth of Wesleyan Head Office, so here's Jessica talking to Baz Gray. Yeah, thanks. It's absolutely brilliant to be here at, at Wesleyan, just, just one of the one of the groups and companies supporting me on my project called Challenge Antarctica, which I'm sure we'll get to. I've um, recently left the Royal Marines Commandos. Um, I did 26 years service with the Royal Marines, and they very much specialise in extreme mountaineering and going to extremely cold places, as well as many other things. And for a huge part of my career and upbringing since I was 16, I've spent a huge amount of time mountaineering and thriving in these cold places. I found it was something that I absolutely loved. And I've had amazing opportunities throughout that career, not just to do the operational things in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and all those types of things that we've, 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 we've heard over the news in the last sort of 10, 15 years, which really makes you the person you are. But in between all of that, I've had the opportunities to... Um, you know, really get out on a global spread and enjoy teaching and taking part in, in some great mountaineering, extreme cold weather expeditions. And that's something now that I've left the Royal Marines I want to continue to do and, and pursue in, in my new project called Challenge Antarctica. So as somebody who likes the warm... Um, this is quite an interesting interview for me because I couldn't bear it in those, in those extreme cold conditions. But you're going to the extremist of cold conditions, so tell us about your challenge. Yeah, I'm going down to Antarctica. I've been down there before. I've had a real passion about Antarctica since 2005. I worked on a naval ship called HMS Endurance, which is the UK's presence, if you like, in Antarctica. It's a ship that's run joint by the Navy and the Foreign Commonwealth Office, and I spent a year on the ship as the captain's cold weather advisor, teacher, expert, if you like, to look after the crew and make sure whenever they went off the ship they had the right clothing, training and equipment. Because, as you say, it's an extremely extreme place. It's the coldest, windiest and driest place on the planet. And I'm planning to be the first man to solo, unsupported and unassisted cross the entire continent. And that will be in the uh, October of this year through to February 19, which is the Antarctic summer which is switched around from, from our, our winter. So from a year, a year from now then, will you be back or will you still be plodding through? I'll be back. The, the journey should take me around 85 days, starting walking around the 5th or 6th of November. Depending on the season, every season changes and depends how quickly 
the logistics companies can get you into Antarctica and set up their runways and prepare for all of the expeditions and scientific work that the summer season brings. So it'll be roughly around the start of November, finishing by the end of January, uh, having been the first man to get across, hopefully. What an amazing story and challenge that you're taking on. So why? That's the question that everybody's going to be going, why are you doing this? Yeah, so to someone who's not experienced in this type of thing, it it seems to be very dramatic, very extreme, and I completely get that. Mm. But if I compare it to a business, for example, like, like Wesley and where we are today, you know, the, C- the CEO of the company today didn't walk in the office as a 16-year-old and get that job. It was a lifetime of work, a lifetime of experience to achieve that. This is what I've been doing over the last 25 years. I started on a, on a very basic couple-of-day survival course. I then went on a week or a couple of weeks of courses. I then gained a lot of experience in that environment. I then started doing instructional courses. I then started teaching people. And over the last 25 years, I've spent so much time in the environment that it's almost become a second home. So to me, to take on this is almost like the next step now. It's a whole lifetime of experience that's got me here, and I'm going to be utilising all that experience. So from where I've been and what I've done, it's, it actually, yes, it's very difficult. It is extreme but it's the next step in a progression of, of, of a lifetime's work, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's where I'm at now, and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really ready and you know, very confident that for, for one person to do this journey, it, it, it's now possible. So give us some scary stats then. Tell us about how much stuff you're having to take, how much training you're having to do, you know, all of the really interesting stuff that everyone would be going, wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so I've started training pretty much a year out. So as of last October, September, October, it started getting really serious. It's about gradually building up over the year. Leaving it too late, you, you end up having to work too hard to prepare yourself, which can cause fatigue on the body and... And, and potential injury. So with every month now, I, I step up my training. I, you know, the gym work gets heavier and harder, and I do a huge amount of time out in the big outdoors, dragging my sledge around, predominantly in Norway, up at a place called the Hardanger Vida near Finsa, which is where polar explorers have been preparing for Antarctica for over a hundred years. Shackleton, Scotts, Amundsen—they all used to go there to train. It's it's a brilliant place to to utilize. And you'll find me out there every every couple of months doing the same thing for, for obvious reasons. As well as on Dartmoor where I live, carrying heavy packs, dragging heavy weight around. It's absolutely constant. But not only that, you need to support the training with the correct diet, with the right nutrition plan. hundred years ago, people were dying of scurvy because they didn't have the knowledge and the ability to understand what the body needs to fix itself when it works hard, like we do today. But that's a really, really important part of it. While I'm training hard, I've got to be feeding the body the right nutrients as well. I will also be putting on about two, two and a half stone from where I'm sat now. I've already gained about a stone in weight since I started training. And that's really important because I'll be burning upwards of 10, 11,000 calories a day. And somehow I've got to put that back in my body. So I'm expecting to lose during my 85 day journey, probably somewhere between four and four and a half stone in weight. Uh, inside those three months and the less weight I can I can lose the more I can keep on my body by feeding it the correct nutrition then the more likely I am to to finish it Mm -hmm. because it's going to get very difficult towards the end the journey will be around 1200 miles 
It will be the longest ever solo unsupported unassisted journey in Antarctica, if, if I'm successful. Um, no one, I, I, I think I can confidently say, has gone over a thousand miles before solo. Um, without assistance, guys have done that using kites, which mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. using the wind to pull them along. But no one just on foot like I will be doing. Yeah, so it's uh, it's quite an incredible task ahead. And how heavy is, will the sled be? This is where technology has really helped us. And uh, I think it's quite important to, to, to explain this. The reason one man can go this far for so long now is literally because of technology. Mm. Everything is getting smaller, lighter and stronger than it used to be. Um, solar technology, so you don't have to carry batteries. The efficiency of the cookers, so you don't have to carry as much fuel. Mm. The ability to get freeze-dried food down with the right level of calories and nutrition inside it brings the weight of 85 days food down, bearing in mind I'm carrying everything. So I'm expecting and hoping I can get my sledge down to 185 kilograms at the start. Now that seems a lot, but with each day that will gradually mm. go down. Mm. My distances won't be as long and as far as they need to be in the early parts. They'll, they will grow and get longer as I, as I depart and, and during the second half of the expedition. And a lot of people also forget that um, Antarctica has 2,500 to 3,000 metres of ice above it. The, the actual Antarctic Circle, the South Pole, sits about 50 metres above sea level. It then has about 2,500 to 3,000 metres of ice above it. Wow. So you've got altitude to deal with as well. So the first half of the expedition is about climbing up to over 3,000 feet in altitude. And then the second half will be about descending back off the plateau with a much lighter pulp. Fatigue will play a part in, um, and, and you know your body will be extremely fatigued, but the journey is going to become a little easier with a lot less weight and descending back off into more oxygen as well. So we've talked about the physical aspects. What about mentally preparing? So something that, that sort of uh, is appealing to me here is you're going to be on your own. So that's quite a lonely experience. So how are you going to be able to get over that? And I know you've spent a lot of time in these extreme conditions, but this is very different, isn't it? This is absolutely very different, and it's, it's not for everybody. There are a lot of people out there that could probably physically pull something like this off. Mm. But mentally they just can't put themselves in those positions for so long. You have to know whether you're one of those individuals that has a sort of personality that can or can't. Mm. If you're unsure, then trying to take on something like this, I wouldn't recommend. I know the type of person I am, I know what I've been through, and I know how I behave mm. through previous expeditions, not as long as this one, but still alone, under pressure, in a high-risk situation, I, I know how I behave and how I react. And that again, that goes back to the 25 years of experience of understanding me, who I am as a person, and, and how I cope in these high-pressure situations. If you don't know that about yourself, then it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's an extremely you know, difficult thing to, to try and take on something like this. Um, and you know there are lots of people who can help you there are lots of tricks you can do with your mind and things like that but actually being out there minus 40 degrees and a hundred mile an hour storm thousands of miles from the nearest person um, then you know it's um, you, you you really do have to understand who you are and what you as a person are all about and, and I'm quite confident in those situations I, I, I can cope uh, and 
and not only cope but actually you know do do quite well so we haven't really touched on on this element of it but I know climate change is something that you're quite passionate about mm. and, and educating the, the future of, of generations about yeah. it. So what have you been doing with schools? Because I know quite a few of our listeners are, are teachers out there, all have children. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I think that's really important. And I've got five schools actually following this expedition full time. Uh, and I go into those schools and I just do, you know, fun activities with them, mm. you know, talking about wildlife talking about Antarctica, talking about the importance of Antarctica and how we understand how our planet works. In order to stand, understand the future of planet Earth, we have to understand the past. And in order to understand the past, we need absolutely pristine locations, if you like, almost scientific laboratories that have been untouched in order to go in and understand how history has developed you know, um, over hundreds and hundreds of years. And Antarctica being the cleanest and most pristine place on the planet makes that one of the best scientific laboratories, especially the Antarctic Peninsula, for understanding how the future of Earth is going to unfold. So just talking layman's terms and doing little projects with kids in schools is, is just a really fun thing to do. They seem to thrive on it understanding how it affects the wildlife down there. You put a nice picture of a cute seal or a cute penguin up on the screen, you know, they get all excited and, 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 and they love it. And just simple things like trying to explain global warming, I'll get a big glow-up um, globe and I'll wrap a great big duvet blanket around it, you know, not just and, and ask them how they would feel at home if they had a great big duvet on in the summer and they'd be hot. And you ask them what they do and they say, well, they... You know, they'll, they'll put a thinner blanket on. And I'll say, well, that's what we need to do with the globe. You know, we've got this big, thick blanket around it at the moment, and we need to make it a thinner one. And there are lots of ways in which we can do that, lots of ways in which you can help do that. You know, just little, little basic things like that. As well as getting them out, hands on my kit, hands on my equipment, what does it take to survive in these environments, get them putting up the tents, <laughs> get them cooking the rations out on the sports field, oh, get them wow. dragging my sledges around... So it can be physical, mm. it can be geography, it can be history, it can be English, we've got a short stories competition, it can be science, uh, it can be art, we've got a poster competition going with the kids, we've got a postcard competition, which I'll be sending back to all my supporters from Antarctica, mm. but it'll be designed by one of the kids in one of the schools. Oh, I love that. They're all designing their own flag within the schools, so when I go to the South Pole I can, I can get pictures and send them back with with their own flags that one of the children within the school will have designed. And I'm going back to these schools with my ambassador, Alexandra Shackleton, who is the closest living relative to Sir Ernest Shackleton. And she will come to the schools with me and judge these competitions as well. And it's always great to get Mm. such a close relative of one of our greatest explorers along uh, as well. So all these things are, are, are great little projects. Well, that all sounds amazing, and I know there's some schools that I've worked with out in the black country, and there's a couple of others that I know would absolutely relish the opportunity to have you in when mm. you have completed your challenge, because we will talk in positive terms, because I absolutely. am, I am yeah. more than confident that you will do this. You seem to have such um, an energy and a passion for it, and you seem really excited about the prospect of it, and you know, it's, it's following in the footsteps of, you say, some of our greatest explorers. So I know we've already touched on um, the education piece when you come back, all victorious, uh, riding back in on your sledge with nothing else on it, just yourself. Um, 
But also, there's some other support that we're going to be giving you. So as part of our corporate responsibility, we like to be able to support expeditions and, um, and you know, people who come to us with a real passion for what they're doing. And obviously, with the education piece, that's really quite important for us. So, you know, we're delighted to be able to be supporting you with, uh, with a small donation to help you on your way. And um, we'd really like to be able to follow your journey. So tell me and listeners where we can follow you and find out more information and where people can maybe get involved. Yeah, pre, pre the expedition, social media is good because I'm uploading and blogging every day. So if you look for Challenge Antarctica as a, as a title uh, on, on, on Google or, or any search engine, you'll find the Facebook page, which is just Facebook forward slash Challenge Antarctica. I'll be on Twitter regularly and I'm also on Instagram. So Solo Antarctica on Twitter and Solo Antarctica 1800 on Instagram. And also the website. And the website will be absolutely key for when the expedition actually starts. That will be the best place to follow my activity. So on the homepage of challengeantarctica.com, you will see Track Baz. <laughs> you can click that, which will take you to an actual tracking website where you can physically follow my movements. And the tracker beacon I have will actually ping every hour. So you wow. can physically see what distance I've covered every day, You'll, there'll be all sorts of notes on there about the average distance. You'll be able to see if I'm ahead of time, if I'm behind time, if I'm on, on track, uh, and follow me all the way through, which is a great thing for the schools and kids. I'll also be doing a daily blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on the type of day I've had, if I've had a particularly horrendous <laughs> day, people have to you know, understand that. Mm. They might not hear nothing from me for a couple of days because it's particularly hard going. Yeah. But my aim is to, is to blog as often as I can. Now, each of the five schools have got weak blocks in which I'm actually delivering and talking direct to to an individual school. So they'll all be following it all of the time, but they'll then have like a Monday to Friday school week block where it's their kids' turns to ask me questions. So they send me questions via the blog, and then I will sit in my tent and answer them in the evening. And every single school is actually going to get an opportunity to live call where I will do a live call into an assembly. It's really simple. It's a... It's a phone plugged into a big speaker. Where but you're can, talking to someone on the bottom it, it, of the it, earth. Exactly. So. And, and I think, facts, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think more people have done that from space than they have from Antarctica. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's, you know, so it's quite, it's quite a cool thing for a, uh, a kid to do at school. And I know from, from our point of view, we will all follow your journey with Ernest. Uh, no joke about Shackleton then, um, so, But no, I, I'm really, really excited about your trip and hearing all about it when you get back and while you're there and you know we will share progress on your journey across all of our social channels and you know we'd love to invite you back when you come back to tell us about it all this time next year we could all sit back in this little studio and have a little chat yeah we'll probably be a bit thinner (laughs) (laughs) so but I think it's amazing and it's something really different for us to be able to support and you know it'd be great to get you back in front of some kids when you come back to to tell them all about it because I know um, knowing that age group of primary school children um, anything like that they just they just blows their minds and I think it's awesome and that's our show for this week listeners you can't imagine how proud Jess was of her Ernest Shackleton pun at the end there <laughs> she's still beaming with pride um, anyway Jess how can they find out more about Baz 
So you can go to our social media channels and you can find links to him there. And also if you search Challenge Antarctica, you can find him on there, follow his journey and also support him. He's still trying to crowdfund to make sure that he's got the best equipment and some of the best supplies to be able to make sure that it's going to be a success. So yeah, Challenge Antarctica, that's the place to go. Okay, and breaking news as we record this, there is a story about a polar bear. Now, listeners, we know polar bears are from the North Pole, but <laughs> this has got a cute bear picture. So, Jess, tell us the tale. Yeah, so this uh, this week, the first baby polar bear in 25 years has been born in the UK, up in old Scotland, so, you know, it'll be used to the cold up there. And they're now searching for a name, so I think we should all start a campaign to get this polar bear cub called Baz in honour of our Baz Grey. I think it'd be amazing to have him that. They're going to do a poll on social media, so listeners, look out for it and please push to see whether we can get this polar bear named after Baz. We are going to be all over that. <laughs> um but in the meantime, you can find more about Wesleyan at wesleyan.co.uk. You can follow us on the main Twitter, which is at Wesleyan. And the CR Twitter, Jess, is? At Wesleyan CR. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn and Facebook. And for the youngsters out there, we are on Instagram at Wesleyan Careers, which covers everything, not just working here at Wesleyan, absolutely everything else. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And uh, please leave a comment in the section below if you want to. So let's how good, bad or indifferent we are. <laughs> um, but until next time, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.